Hello, listeners. It's Dustin and Connor dropping in right before the podcast you're about to listen to to um, talk about some unfortunate news and uh, to give our stance on some stuff. So, you are about to listen to a review of one of the original Spyro the Dragon video games, one of the three original PlayStation games. Um, you know, we're going to drop this message in front of all of them. Recently, the publisher of the remakes of those games, Spyro the Reunited Trilogy, uh, published by Activision Blizzard, has come under some pretty heavy fire for uh, their treatment of, in particular, women in the workplace. Um, we won't just we won't discuss like the particulars here. Uh, we talked about them on a report a little bit, but there's also just better sources for that. Uh, one link we will drop in the description. Uh, an excellent uh, IGN article by Kat Bailey. Um, I read it this morning. It's pretty. It, it's some gnarly stuff. So just a warning on that. But yeah, we wanted to come uh, before the uh, these episodes to talk about. Uh, just just to really discourage people from buying new Activision Blizzard products. Um, you know, Connor, I think it's fair to say we're about to give, you know, no matter which episode, a pretty positive review um, of the Reignited, specifically, version of Spyro. Yeah, and I think we might have actually said, you know, check out the Reignited trilogy version, because those are, like, good and easy to get. Um, we would discourage you from buying them new or digitally because that directly supports this company that is doing some pretty heinous actions um so if you can find it used that would be a much preferred way of getting it otherwise you know just find the originals those would also be a good way of doing it and then um you know there's always definitely not emulation is definitely not an option to you i mean you're joking i'm just gonna say it go ahead and emulate them it's fine <laughs> go ahead and emulate the originals if you you know in this case i'm gonna say it if you if you have the know-how how to pirate stuff go ahead just don't support this company new right now um which is unfortunate i can already you know i can hear some people saying but isn't it all on the blizzard side of activision it's like yeah but also that money goes to the publisher and it's really unfortunate i feel terrible for the workers there as anybody should um and there's that's where your support should go so if you're curious about spyro they're great games they were great games back in the day they're still great games you know find a way to obtain them that doesn't involve supporting activision i would recommend maybe if you have a local used game store or something go support them instead of um you know this large corporation who honestly doesn't deserve your money (laughs) Um, anyway um i want to say thank you for for listening to us and um yeah, enjoy the review. It, it's we had a lot of fun making these. Um, they're they're good times, but yeah, just just once again, please don't buy new. <laughs> However you obtain it, just don't buy new. Yep, and enjoy the episode. Yes, bye. Hello and welcome to another platforming, fire briefing, racing, rail shooting, first person shooting episode of Save Station Radio. Yes, we will be talking about all those things and more on this episode because we are discussing 2000's Spyro, Year of the Dragon. I am your host Dustin and with me is my co-host Connor. Hello there. And yeah, like I said, we are talking about the third Spyro the Dragon video game, 
released on the PlayStation 1 October 25th, 2000, in the actual Year of the Dragon. See what they did there? Yep, that's why they called it that, October 24th, 2000. They're like, you know what, that's, we got a dragon, Year of the Dragon, let's go. And of course, once again, developed by Insomniac Games, published by Sony, and Universal Interactive. Connor, this this week you were gracious enough and did our notes, so why don't you hit it off with some with some cool facts? Yeah, um, we've mentioned before. Obviously, this uh, these first three Spyro games have a remade trilogy, just like Crash Bandicoot did. We mentioned previously that I was playing the Reignited trilogy, and the primary developers you think of for the Reignited trilogy is Toys for Bob, which is fair they're the developers on the box on the main title screen they probably did most of the work but the reignited version of year of the dragon was actually co-developed by sanzuru games which you might know of for doing i mean this isn't the best example but they did the sonic boom games on 3ds um i don't know not not, not a great example four Sly Cooper 4, that's a better example. <laughs> they did, um, um, I know they, I think they recently got bought by Oculus, and they did a, a first-person RPG I know people love on Oculus, so they've done some good work. Um, another one that they did, I didn't expect them to show up on was they did Tron R, which is a Tron Endless Runner game. <laughs> I don't think I know what that is, huh? Um, yeah, they showed up, I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> uh, I looked into it just briefly, but Zanzaru Games actually is a sp- spin-off company from Toys for Bob. I don't remember exactly when they were created, but I believe Toys for Bob were the ones that like then created Sanzaru Games as a separate thing. Huh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, didn't grab enough information for me to confidently say that. But okay. also credited for Reignited um Reignited's development is a lot of studios and I'm not going to list all the names here. I have them in our notes, but I'm not going to read them cuz there's too many. Um, the big ones being Beanox and Vicarious Visions. Of course, they were kind of, you know, there at the helping with Crash as well as then Tony Hawk afterward um, and Crash Team Racing and all that. Uh, Zanzaru Games, we mentioned, did the version for of Spyro 3. Also credited here is like Sledgehammer Games, which you'll know from doing a lot of the um, Call of Duty games. They were created by the people that originally developed Dead Space. Yes. So, yeah, a lot of names here, a lot of studios. Um, it's the only Spyro game to be have more than, I think, like one or two companies credited as developing it. It's very much, you know, modern AAA development. Like, it's this is not an unusual thing. If you go look at the credits to like any Assassin's Creed game, you know you'll see the the lead studio, the one who you know does most of it. But then you'll see like like ten other studios that you know pitched in with Ord or whatever, or you know you know had had little teams set off aside to to assist. Um, and that's very much the case here, which is really interesting. Though I do believe, as you said earlier, Zenzaru was heavily involved with three in particular. Yeah, I also found some source, it was the lead artist, I believe, or one of the graphical artists that said that they worked with Zanzaru for 3, and that the project for Crash 3 took about 8 months for Zanzaru to do. Most likely using the same setup that 
Toys for Bob did with the Spiroscope, which we talked about previously, and, you know, working from there. But, you know, the Reignited Trilogy is a very impressive package, despite its flaws, and, you know, mad props to all of the people that worked on it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, But the PS1 game, (laughs) obviously way earlier and a lot less people worked on it but still very impressive for the time the original ps1 version of spyro year of the dragon which i've been calling spyro 3 because that's basically what it is yeah it doesn't actually have a a number in its title yeah it's just spyro year of the dragon uh year of the dragon was in development for about 10 and a half months (laughs) which I mean, makes sense because these games came out year after year. The original 98, 2 and 99, this one in 2000. But 10 and a half months, but, and that's a very quick turnaround, but in an interview with Ted Price, which I will link in the description, uh, he actually said it was one of the smoothest production cycles they had had. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> considering the quick turnaround as well as the large number of additions and gameplay styles. Uh, I think he said that they had a pretty solid pipeline in the studio worked out that like they knew how to roll with it. And then they were still using some of the similar mechanics for Spyro so they could, you know, take what they learned and take some of their code and do more stuff. But um, yeah, they, they kind of knew what they were doing going into it. So that's why it was pretty smooth and they were able to do a quick turnaround despite all the additions. Yeah, um, I will say that doesn't necessarily I mean, I don't know what he said in that interview. Um, but we, we, you know, uh, uh, the crash episodes, we talked about the the conditions in, Insomniac and Naughty Dog um, were under under Universal, right? So I, d- d- just because it was smooth does not mean uh, developers weren't crunching, unfortunately, especially with that. That quick turnaround. That short of yeah. a turnaround. Jesus, yeah. It's one of those things you don't think about when you're a kid. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, whoa, they put these out back to back. Jesus Christ. Yeah, and I mean, this was still kind of in the days where games didn't take quite as long. Like, you could get away with that. But even still, it was, you know, starting to get to this point where games were a lot more involved. They took a lot longer to produce. Um, So, you know, ten and a half months is not a long time to make a video game. (laughs) No, it is not. And, you know, know, not to to dive into the review point, we'll, we'll say that, but... Uh, an exceptionally well-polished one, at least on PS1. Um, it's it's pretty remarkable. Um, yeah, but we mentioned, you know, using those PS1 techniques that they had. I kind of wanted to talk about the PS1 trilogy itself uses a system that doesn't require a lot of textures. Um, I think in that same interview, Ted Price was talking how they didn't really need to use a lot of a lot of textures for their assets because they wanted to keep it just like bright and colorful but then also pretty simplistic so they could just use like this gradient scale of a color and that doesn't require as much processing as using a texture for that surface and then when they did use textures they were like softly designed pretty you know low res but keeping that style like a very stylish look to it so that allowed them to you know pull off stuff like the big panoramic views of the levels because they weren't using a bunch of their resources for textures. It's so interesting. It's um, I think it's a great example of art style, like how important your art style is, because you wouldn't know that playing these games. Oh yeah, no, these games still look phenomenal. You know, less textured than other games of the areas of the era. So, 
it's pretty it's pretty impressive <laughs> um and what helped that also was the low poly background versions for their level of detail system the low poly versions didn't have textures Mm. just at all so like still using minimal textures for the close-up ones and then that and then blending as you get closer to things that works a lot better because of those limitations so they're really pushing the ps1 to its limits but they had some really creative workarounds yeah it's it's like from a technical standpoint this trilogy of games is super interesting and impressive but i also did mention that they there's a lot of gameplay styles for this game (laughs) There are. They, they, they crammed it full of them. Yeah, which we'll get into, but um, the team also took inspiration. Uh, there was a list of like all of their inspirations that uh, I believe Ted Price in the interview gave, and some of the notable ones was uh, Tony Hawk, obviously, uh, the original Doom, GoldenEye, Virtua Cop, the arcade shooter, uh, there was also several other arcade games like Rampage and whatnot that I had to look up to make sure <laughs> what they were. Mario Kart, Crash Bandicoot, uh, Mario 64, and Ready to Rumble Boxing. <laughs> Those were the notable ones he listed. What a list. What a variety of experiences. <laughs> you want to talk about this crack protection? or? Uh, yeah, hit me with it. This is a really interesting thing. Yeah, this is one that like I knew about this before i knew about the rest of spyro 3 because it's just that interesting so back in the ps1 era um if you know a ps1 disc it's black on the bottom unlike the sort of glossy ones that we would know for cds um also as part of a ps1 disc there's these like waves on the actual grooves for the data which normal cds don't they're just straight lines So you can't put a PS1 game onto a CD and have the PS1 run it because it looks at that wave to make sure it's an authentic PS1 disc. So if you were to pirate a game back in the PS1 days, you would need a mod chip on your PlayStation that could then trick the PS1 into thinking that it read an authentic disc. And this was really helpful if you also wanted to play imports because the wave also served as region locking. So it could just replace it with whatever, you know, region that you thought it that it thought it needed and be like, okay, here you go. <laughs> this is an authentic disc. That's just kind of the background for this. So if you put in a illegal copy and the game had crack protection, which was something the developers put in, then it would fail to boot. It would be like, okay, you and the way they did this was they would have the game ask for the region data, but the disc couldn't give it at that point because it's running. So if the mod chip gave it to them, because the mod chip is told to just do that automatically, then it would know it's fake and it could shut itself down and be like, okay, this is fake. You're not allowed to play a pirated copy. So then it was up to pirates and crackers to create a specific, like, pre-boot disc or um, maybe an update for the mod chip something like that that would bypass that crack protection for that specific game which usually happened within the first like couple couple months of the game's release which by then a good chunk of the game sales had already happened so it was worth it for developers to put crack protection in Uh, nothing's changed yeah the main thing that makes Spyro 3's crack protection really interesting 
is it did all that you know if you the the pirates made a crack for it within the first couple months tested it cool sent it out but what spyro 3 did was it booted it knew that there was a cracked copy so it would say okay this is illegal you make a crack for it you get past that screen then it still knows that it's illegal but it lets the game play out anyway the thing that makes this really easy or really interesting is after the first couple levels or the first hub world the zoe the fairy companion will say that it's illegal and be like okay buy an actual copy of this game and then it's the game still runs normally it's like okay cool you could keep playing but it starts just messing with you (laughs) where it'll just delete things from your from your collection history like certain eggs will just be disappearing and certain levels won't have gems in them or they won't have all of the gems in them um the game would also crash semi-frequently if you were playing a european copy of it then it could also change the language randomly (laughs) (laughs) so you would just be speaking to someone and they would just change to a different language you couldn't understand them it's wild and all of this is like super frustrating to play and that's kind of the point Uh, it gets to a point where if you decide to bust through and like keep, you know, going back and collecting eggs that disappear and coming back and trying to progress through it, muscle through the, um, crashes. And then if right when you get into the final boss of the game, the game will just erase your save data and start you at the beginning. (laughs) That's uh, that's wonderful. I love that. (laughs) It's wonderful. Um, it took them about like several more months to almost a year maybe to get a crack that went around that version (laughs) to get like an official version but by then pretty much all of the copies that were going to sell had sold and on the final version that gets around that crack the crackers had actually said they had a message that thanked the developers for giving them such a challenge (laughs) (laughs) Um, which is super cool Um, and then I think there was a separate interview, which I didn't find anywhere, um, but I could probably look this up later. The They had said that in hindsight, or the, the, the developers had said that in hindsight, a lot of the game was still playable, and that was probably not <laughs> ideal. You know, it was frustrating to play, but it was playable. But yeah, that's kind of the story. I'll link a video of um, from Tech Rules, who discusses this much better than i could and then also he played through the illegal version of spyro 3 that's great yeah it's a great video i'll link that one but yeah the that's a very interesting story for spyro 3 i I love that i don't think i think my favorite developer putting in like you know just like annoying spyro for for modders is uh is still alan wake do you know what that one is? No, I haven't heard of this one. If you play a pirated copy of Alan Wake, Alan Wake the entire time wears an eye patch. <laughs> he just becomes the pirate. I'm pretty sure it's the only thing it does. It's just this annoying, like... <laughs> yeah, it's stupid. Uh, that, that's really fun. Uh, 
so let's let's uh, talk Spyro Three. Um, obviously, much like the other episodes, uh, you know, unless you unless you've been keeping secrets from me, I'm assuming you don't have a history with with Spyro Th- Year of the Dragon. Um, nope, my history was I learned about this weird copy protection. That's about it. <laughs> so Spyro Year of the Dragon was my favorite as a kid, um, for I think obvious reasons. It was a game that that really stretches itself. Um, really, it's a lot bigger in scope and ideas and you know in some ways i think that that makes it worse but as a kid i absolutely loved it and for a lot of the reasons why i talked about last week why i love spyro 2 it just felt so much bigger and so much better to me as a result there's just like it's a game that just it's got so much in it (laughs) and so i think as a kid i was like this is like infinite game it's great it was also like around the time where i just feel like i had spyro like mania (laughs) like like I had a little Spyro stuffed animal I would carry around with me. I was, I was just like, it was like my full obsession was around that game, and I, I absolutely adored it. Yeah, let's let's talk about Spyro Three in general. Overall, what are your thoughts? Um, this one's this one's a mixed bag. <laughs> you know, it does a lot, and it also does a lot that is not typical of a platformer which i feel like can get in the way of like cohesion um (laughs) especially when they do really one-off like strange levels sometimes they're enjoyable and sometimes they're just confusing and sometimes they're frustrating um that's kind of how i felt through a lot of this game there was parts that were uh really enjoyable there were parts that were interesting but not what i expected and then there were parts that just frustrated me so i think out of the trilogy so far this one's kind of in a weird middle place it kind of sits sits near spyro 2 where it's like it does a lot more but i don't know if it really pulls it off yeah this is an interesting one that you know if you had told me you really like this game i would understand that if you told me you didn't like this game i would also understand that <laughs> like it's very mixed bag yeah totally and I, and I think there are things this game does better than the other two honestly for for my opinion on it like i i think a lot of its problems stem from a lot of the the variety it tries to introduce it, it has that you know third game in a platformer series like problem where it tries to give you new things to do it tries to give you vehicle sections and alternate characters to play as and some of that stuff works but some of it really doesn't and the ones that really don't kind of drag it down because they're like needlessly hard or obtuse and that's that's frustrating but then also i think as far as the normal spiral levels go i think it has some of the best designed levels in the series i think the dragon eggs are really fun to go hunt and and find i think they are really nice middle ground between the dragons you free in Spyro 1 and the orbs you get in Spyro 2 where they're rewarded for doing the minigames but they're also just found out in the level and encourage you to to look at the level design and to be like oh man there's an egg up on that cliff how do I get there and and figure it out and I I think that there's a lot to like about that stuff in particular but yeah then there are these like minigames which to be fair I think for the most part I think are pretty successful or at least tolerable more often than they are frustrating but when they're frustrating they're really frustrating (laughs) but but on the other hand this game retains a lot of the charm that the other ones have it's just as cute it's just as fun um it does 
weirdly, I think, take a step back narratively. Um, not in its core narrative. I think its core narrative actually is probably better than two's. I prefer two, but like, I, I think it is probably just like on a mechanical level better. But like, it doesn't have, for instance, the level intros that Spyro Two had, which is a shame because like it it kind of diminishes the world building um, that I praised so much last time around. I think the villain is a little lackluster to me um, compared to Ripto. Even though we get more of her, I just don't like her as much. Uh, the sorceress in this this time around um but i do like the supporting cast a little more so it's you're right a mixed bag is not a bad way to say it like like it's it feels like spyro 2 but bigger in a lot of ways to me yeah and that is an interesting point that a lot of the side stuff is more involved and for some of the like mini games and stuff, I actually find them a lot better than Spyro 2 because uh, Spyro 2's mini games, while like a neat distraction, sometimes are either like needlessly dumbed down or just kind of in the way. <laughs> I'm thinking specifically like the Fractured Hills mini game is really kind of annoying to, especially if you have to do it twice. But if you don't, then whatever. It's still kind of annoying to do. Plus, it's like, okay, just use a move, and then that's about it. Uh, these mini games are more involved and can be more fun, but they just throw so many at you that, I don't know, I feel like the fact that these Spyro levels are probably some of the best in the trilogy <laughs> is kind of, like, undercut by the fact that there's not, that it feels like there's not as many even though the number is still pretty comparable, there's not the ratio of spiral levels to bonus stuff is a little less weighted. Yeah, and to be fair, I think it's possible to avoid most of it if you want. You have to do the alternate character stuff, but I think other than that, you could probably get away with not touching most of it. And but be then fine. you don't complete the game. <laughs> if you did care about 100%, right? It's like the Crash 4 syndrome a little bit, where it's like it technically is a worse game if you want 100% it than it is if you just want to play it casually which you know you can that's that's everybody's different thoughts but again i i would stress i only think there's a handful of them that are bad <laughs> um, like I, I i don't know about your your opinions on this but i would say like the boxing mini game is probably my least favorite in the entire trilogy <laughs> yeah like, for I, sure i hate that thing and uh, even though if you're playing on ps1 you can you can swap did you, there's a trick where if you have a second controller, you can plug it in and you can do two players. So, oh, wild. Yeah, so you, you can cheese it that way, which is nice, but <laughs> I don't um, know if that got added to Reignited. Yeah, I don't know. This The Yeti boxing was really annoying. <laughs> the Oh, it's terrible. Um, I think also in Reignited, do they tell you the controls twice? I don't know. I did So for... for uh transparency case here i didn't make it all the way through reignited i just played through most of the first hub world before we had to record sorry about that i meant to um i played the original before though uh all the way through before this and i've played reignited multiple times so i don't know if it tells you them twice you okay, can find I... them in the menu if you needed them but yeah but i think the same dialogue box says the controls twice ah <laughs> <sighs> They might speak them to you, and then the second dialogue box just has them for some reason. I feel like it does that. Yeah, that probably uh, happened. Um, also, the boxing, at least in Reignited, 
uh, if you just do a high punch and then a low punch and then a high punch and then a low punch, you will just win. <laughs> if you just complete that combo over and over again, there's no way for them to respond. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it works. It's just like, it's just really frustrating. Um, and, I, and I think it's annoying that there's no real definitive version because Reignited has some problems with the mini games that the first one doesn't and the first one has problems that Reignited doesn't. It's It's... Like, there's no real definitive way to play this and, and get everything, like, perfect, which is frustrating. Um, we should probably talk about those extra characters, because um, there are quite a bit of them. Uh, so, the first one you get is Sheila, the kangaroo, and she hops around, and you get a double jump with her, and then you can also, like, jump again as you hit the ground to do a high jump, uh, which I actually think the game considers a double jump, which is weird to me. <laughs> Well, but, she has a double jump that you can... Yeah, like a traditional of, double jump. You could just get a little bit more hang time, but this is the, like, super jump where right as you hit the ground, you push it again, you can get a high bounce. Yeah, I th I thought Sheila was probably the best of these side characters. She was a lot of fun to control Ooh, and pull off. Interesting. Yeah, I, I like Sheila. She's fun, and, I, and the rhythm of bouncing, doing the high bounce, I think, is a good time. But I actually like our second character, Sergeant Bird, the best. Oh, yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, who's a English uh, military bird man. Also, James Bond, I think sometimes <laughs> you get rockets with him, but he can fly around is his, his thing. Even and though he's a penguin. <laughs> he, he, he's great. He's a lot of fun. Uh, the third one, depending on... I think if we take it overall, it's probably my least favorite, is Bentley. Um, he's a big Yeti man. He's got a big club. You can whack things with him. The reason why I don't like him is because he's slow. Very, very oh, yeah, slow. No, I, I really did not enjoy playing as Bentley. Um, I enjoyed his character, and I liked his dialogue, but yeah, playing as him was really annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, agreed. Then we have Agent 9, which this one, if you're playing PlayStation 1, is my least favorite. If we're playing Reignited, he's pretty alright. He's a monkey with a space blaster, and every single time you play as him, it's a different minigame. <laughs> He is probably the most eclectic character in this entire game. Yeah, he is a ray gun, so all of his are kind of shooting related. I think there's two that share a gameplay style, and then the other two are like completely different shooter typed stages. Well, there's a there's the third person shooter, which is his normal level. There's a there's an on rails type shooter. There's a first person shooter, and then there's uh, like a top down shooter. <laughs> like, so it's. His stuff is not consistent at all. So the problem with him on PlayStation 1 is this game came out before Halo. So any sort of first-person, third-person shooting is miserable. Because <laughs> you're not using dual analog sticks to yeah, look and move. you're just using the one. <laughs> you're just using the one. It has strafing on the bumpers, but it still doesn't make it good. <laughs> so unfortunately his stuff is kind of miserable on the PS1. Reignited completely fixed him, though. I'm actually upset I didn't get to the PC because I was excited because I'm sure it'll just be a joke on PC, which will be fun. Yeah, that's, I mean, I played it on PS4 and PS5, but the, yeah, the first person shooter level was not an issue at all other than having to just do it backwards um, once you're done with it. Talking about like Yeti Boxing would be my least favorite. Um, that was actually my least favorite for the longest time on PS1 and the reignited version completely turned out right and made that like a fun, fun little distraction. So, huh, gotta wild. give them props for that, because it is not fun to play on PS1. I love Bentley's introduction, where uh, Moneybags is like, oh, this big oaf, and he's 
you know, stupid, couldn't get out of the thing. And then he busts out and, you know, kicks money bags his ass. But then he's like the most eloquent and verbose and fluent <laughs> character in the game. Oh yeah. Bentley's great. Um, I mean, all these characters are great. Um, it's, it's the gameplay styles that, that can get them into trouble. And, and our last character is Sparks, who you finally get to play as independently of Spyro. And his levels are top-down shooters that are somehow worse than um, Agent Nine's section, which is yeah, weird. I, um, I actually, when I played this, I didn't realize that Sparks had levels until the end of the game. Oh, that's because I I saw the signs and it's like, oh, you know, Sparks should come back here once you and I have a challenge for him later. But I thought that you would like unlock the ability to do those levels and it would be like a thing like, okay, you can now play the Sparks levels. But it actually unlocks after you beat the boss of that world. If you go back to that world, then the Sparks levels open. So I was trying to get to the secret final area. And I was like, I'm missing a significant portion of eggs. Where where are they? It's like, oh, no, there's four Sparks levels you have to do. <laughs> like, oh, good. Thanks. So that I just, sucks. I should have warned you because you get upgrades too. Yeah. Which and are I, probably useless at that point. Yeah, because um, beating the Sparks levels gives you upgrades to Sparks, like being able to take an extra hit or being able to pick up gems in a larger radius, um, which would have been great <laughs> if I wasn't already at the end of the game. So there's your heads up. Do them after the bosses. I like that one of his last ones is opening containers for you. <laughs> I don't know if I noticed great. that one. but Yeah, he'll break open the containers for you so it even makes it easier. And on the original also, that's where you get the gem finder in one of those. And also the ability to warp with the atlas, which I'm really glad they just made those pl- get, uh, give it to you from the beginning. Because that sucks. Uh, those those are your extra playable characters, and for the most part, I enjoy them. You know, depending on the platform, Agent Nine is a mix. Bentley, I think, unfortunately, just suffers from being very slow. But I, I like Sheila and Sergeant Bird a lot. Sparks, I think, there's a fun novelty as getting to play as him. But those levels suffer from honestly, they suffer from the pure fact that they're not twin stick shooters. <laughs> like you have to strafe at Abe Sparks' yeah. body precisely, and if they were just twin stick shooters, it would really make them more enjoyable. <laughs> You have to aim him by moving, and then you have a button to lock his direction, and then you can strafe that way. So if you want to, at least this is how it is in Reignited, I didn't play the original, but you have to point him in the right direction, and then lock it, and then if you want to change direction, you have to unlock your movement by letting go of the button, and then pointing in a different direction, locking it again, (laughs) um... Yeah, you're right. If this was a twin stick, twin stick shooter, this would be a lot better. It's weird, too, because it feels like it was meant to be, but whatever. I will say, though, as a kid, mind-blowing, when I got to that Sparks level, I was like, oh my god, you can play as Sparks? What? <laughs> so, I'll give it credit for that, always. Yeah, as I said earlier, though, I do want to compliment the level design for the standard spiral levels because they all do the thing that some of the levels in Spyro 2 do, and not all of them, where they wrap back around in on themselves. And it's always, it just it's just very smart um, because a lot of these levels you'll be returning to again, you know, when you unlock more characters or whatever. So having this, like, 
instant like oh you can just go to the end of the level from the beginning because these wrap back around intelligently is super smart and i think it's insomniac at the top of their game with this series um i do legitimately think these are the best levels in the series because of that oh for sure and also on that note a lot of the levels still continue the trend of you not all of them granted but you go are continually going upward and then by the time you get to the end of the level you're basically at the top of the level and then you can glide down to wherever you want to go so by having it wrap around then you can you know take a shortcut back to the end of the level and then be at the top and glide to where you need to go Um, a good example of this is fireworks factory where you're constantly like climbing up the factory and going through these areas and whatnot and then once you get to the top you unlock a cannon that can just shoot you back up there so Mm -hmm. you know once you're at the top of the level and you can glide to all of the different side areas as you unlock characters you can always just go back in the cannon and then get back up to the top without having to you know march your way all the way through the level again yeah it's really great and i think it um continues the trend of like you know pretty easy to run through the level but like exploring the side is where you find your extra eggs and gems and that's always satisfying, and I think done extremely well in these standard levels. Um, of which it should be said, there are still a lot of them here. <laughs> like, if you're in it just for the spiral gameplay, there's a lot of those levels here. So it's not like as if it's all mini games and no levels. <laughs> there's there's still a lot of good times to be had. Yeah, by my math, there's 16, 17 if you count the last level. Yeah, and and I'll say a lot more platforming than in two, just in general. <laughs> like, it this this does feel like they. Like the these more sort of flat adventure levels of two, where they were like, okay, let's add a bit more challenge here, and and I feel like that that comes through a lot more, and and so I really do feel like it's the best of both worlds there, and you you do get that level design, and also just some of the most creative levels like, theming wise too in the series, I I really enjoy a lot of, these set pieces that are here and like what is happening in both reunited and the original. I think there's a lot of cute things and. Once again, the Spyro series really kind of, kind of ditching the the sort of standard platformer playbook of of levels, and you know, instead of having a lava level, we have this uh, you know Chinese New Year inspired um, you know the fireworks factory, which you just mentioned, which has lava in it as a feature, but it's it's more about the the fireworks as the set pieces, and like that that's super cool, and I, I feel like a lot of the levels do a lot of a lot of neat things in terms of switching up those like genre conventions which I, I really appreciate. Yeah, for sure. I think this, um, you know, I think all of that holds true except for the enemy design. I feel like, obviously, like, the character design is still really great. You know, we get the side characters, and then we still get the levels that have, you know, unique uh, denizens for their area. But the actual enemies are pretty much all rhinox which are like the army that the sorceress is commanding and there's not a whole lot of like obviously a lot of them all control differently and they have different methods of taking them down but just visually they're pretty similar um which is kind of also a complaint in spiral one that they're a lot of them are norks but ganasty ganorks but this one, I don't know. I that one just felt a little, a little visually uninteresting. Yeah, I hear you there. I will say they they do wear different outfits depending on where they are. So there's that. But yeah, I 
I see that complaint. I've heard it argued both ways. Like, it doesn't have the variety 2 has, but also people have said, like, but it makes it better for the narrative because it makes a little more sense that, like, these are the sorcerers' warriors or whatever. So yeah, I, I can yeah. hear both sides of that argument. Um, yeah, I, if, I agree, if though. Anything, I like the nitpick. variety. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I They still do do a good job, though, of, like, like in Fireworks Factory, for example, there's big enemies wearing all metal, but they have giant fireworks strapped to their backs, so you have to get them from behind. And, like, there, there's still variety in terms of gameplay. Or, like, in um, Cloud Spires, um, there's the Rhydox, the Angel Rhydox with the big wings that'll push you back. And there's still creativity there, but, yeah, I, I can hear that that issue, and I, I think that makes sense. But I will say, variety in the, the eggs you catch, I, I think that's such a fun... Thing. Every time you you find an egg, they hatch and you get to see the baby dragon. Screw the parents, they don't get that moment. <laughs> we do. I'm, I'm not convinced that the dragons have parents. That is true. We still have seen no female dragons. Well, and I think it's said that the year of the dragon festival, which is what they're like celebrating at the beginning of the game, uh, is when they are delivered eggs. <laughs> So, I'm not convinced that they have... I think they're just dropped off and then whoever's around takes care of them. <laughs> we, we, Which, how does the society work? How do the dragons work? I don't actually care. Don't message me about that. Future games, don't tell me how this works. I love the little animations you get. I will say, I think they're better than the original. I think there's more of them, actually. I think Reunited cuts them down a little bit. Um, but they're still really cute ones and... It's, it's really fun to watch them and see. And again, I think it's a, a nice middle ground between the dragons you rescue in part one and the orbs from part two, which I, I think is really nice. Yeah, because they serve as a reward for completing mini games or um, doing side areas, but then also they can be found just out and about. And then as you go through a level, so they serve as, you know, just these like end level ob- objectives like the talismans did in two while also being the orbs from two and also the dragon. So they serve a catch-all purpose that they didn't need a bunch of different things to serve. Uh, my favorite dragon is Modesty. Modesty. Some great names for these dragons. Modesty, when you, when you, find, when you find them, they hatch and uh, they like celebrate orbs, legs wide open, and then they get embarrassed and, and hide themselves into the egg. <laughs> which I think is adorable. I also like occasionally there's a lot of the like people that give you mini games or the people that like give you the main level objective. They will have a reason for having the egg. You know, they were all oh, stolen the by best. They were stolen by the enchantress and then I guess just kind of lost in this world. But so it's not like in two where they intentionally hid the orbs. I don't know how the enchantress lost track of these, but the people having the eggs and having a reason for having them, sometimes it's really goofy, but sometimes it's really funny. It's great. They almost all of the side characters want to eat these eggs or destroy them in some way. <laughs> it's all just like, I want to egg somebody's house with this one or when I destroy this one or they hatch and they comment about how ugly they are. It's, it's oh my gosh, really my favorite cute. one is like, oh, here's this chicken egg I found. And then the dragon hack, hatches and he goes, this is the ugliest chicken I've ever seen. It's great. <laughs> uh, 
And of course, along with that, Hunter comes along again to be a complete Spyro. Yeah, why is he here? I mean, Alora shows up in like one cutscene, but why is Hunter just around? <laughs> Once again, forcing you to do his dub chores or mini games or whatever, and he won't give you an egg till you do it. And it's like, dude, that's my that's the species. We're, we're, we're in danger here. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Make me skateboard for this egg. Just give it to me. He's like, oh yeah, I found this in the bushes or whatever. It's like, how, why didn't you just give it to me then? I'm a dragon. So dumb. I, I love it. It's 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 great. Yeah, is there anything we want to discuss before we move on to specific stuff? Maybe we should give the premise. Do you want to give that real quick? It's, you know, not complicated like the other ones. Yeah, so this one starts with them celebrating, I guess, the Year of the Dragon Festival, where they get new dragon eggs. Um, Never said in-game. Yeah, I think it might show up in a manual or something. I can't remember. They're just chilling with the eggs, basically. Also, they're just sleeping. Yeah, they're sleeping with the eggs. Uh, So the sorceress sends Bianca, her minion, and some of her minions to steal the eggs from the dragons, and they tunnel their way underground steal the eggs and then bury back down uh the only people that can fit in the tunnels are spyro and hunter so they are tasked with going and rescuing the eggs yep and the tunnels take them to the forgotten realms which is this piece of the dragon robes that the dragons haven't existed in for like a thousand years and because of that all the magic is fading which is why the sorceress presumably wants all these eggs it's also stated later that the sorceress was the one that banished the the dragons from the world. Jeez, spoilers. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, spoilers. Um, yeah. Um, I I love that, though. I, I love that, again, this series like cares enough to be like, these are the Forgotten Realms. They're part of the Dragon Realms. They just haven't been there in a thousand years. You know, it separates it from Avalar as well, which I think is cool. Um, so, you know, again, shout out to that world building um, that was unnecessary, but greatly appreciated, at least to, to like a five-year-old me, <laughs> who who really liked that stuff. Yeah, I think we've got over most stuff. Do we want to move? Oh, music still great. In fact, I think this might have some of my favorite work from Copeland. Yep, Stuart Copeland's back, crushing it again. Um, still plenty funky. Got a lot of percussion, a lot of good bass to it. Yeah, totally. Alright, let's let's get into specifics. Stick around if you want, go play it first. Whatever. was your favorite level um my favorite level would probably have to be crystal islands oh nice crystal islands is cool yeah i loved the aesthetic of it loved the enemy designs um the level itself you know it opens up with this flight power up towards the end um yeah i enjoyed that one um my favorite level is actually one of the very few spiral levels that doesn't loop back in on itself. And I think it does that for a reason. Um, but it is Enchanted Towers. 
not to be confused with haunted showers from the from the um first game but it is purely because of sergeant bird and it is one of those things where i wish every level did this but getting sergeant bird at the end of the level and being able to fly around the whole thing is so cool yeah it's the one time where like a mini game character is not relegated to a mini game area yeah you just get to fly around the level that spyro got to go through normally but now you get to see it from the sky and it's it's just so neat and i wish every level was designed in such a way that that would be possible because it is just one of the most freeing things in the game it's it's really cool oh by the way uh in um crystal islands I believe I read somewhere, or I think it was actually in the video we, ta- we cited in on the first episode of this podcast, so maybe go back to that and check that out, um, but I think that level was originally supposed to be forest-themed, which is why a lot of the enemies are like beavers and bears. <laughs> crystal Islands has the crystal monsters, though. Yeah, they're like crystal beavers, though, and crystal bears. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, which is a little interesting tidbit. Um, that level also has a flying power-up, though. Um, in it which is cool yeah that one has the flying power up at the end where you get to just kind of soar over the rest of the level yeah it also has a slide in it though so i don't know how i feel <laughs> the slides are a real mixed bag I thanks don't know... mario 64 <laughs> thanks mario 60 the one that really messed with me was haunted tomb which was a, a cool level except when i wanted to 100 percent it because you have to use these explosive orbs to blow up the sarcophagus. The sarcophagi is the portal, yeah. I believe. Um, and if you run out of them, they spawn in the middle of a bunch of falling rocks, <laughs> which are really... Oh, really? Yeah, so if you're trying to 100% it in one go, you have to carefully move into a section with a bunch of falling rocks and grab the explosive rock and then go and find the next sarcophagus and then you know, run all the way back to the rocks, grab the orb, run all the way back to the next sarcophagus, and then blow it up and get the gems out of it, which was really frustrating. Also, it was really hard to tell where the falling rocks were going to land because the drop shadows don't last very long. And then right at, towards the end of the level, there is a slide. And I am convinced that at least in Reignited, this slide is impossible to do. <laughs> There's a turn that is just too tight and I could not get around it no matter how many times I tried, I was always just fly off the edge. Uh, pro tip, you can slam yourself against that wall and completely stop your momentum. <laughs> against what wall? The wall There's like that... a little lip on the yeah. side on that turn. It, it like ends halfway through the turn, so you have to do it quick. But yeah, you can stop your momentum and get yourself on track. Um, the slides okay, are not I bumped, great. <laughs> I bumped into that wall several times and it did not slow me down enough. Yeah, you could turn it at an angle that'll that'll slow you down. Um, okay, I, the solution I resorted to was just gliding to the part of the slide where the gems were. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, that level's cute though with all the, the dumb riddles. <laughs> yeah, I like uh, that one. Um, that one and the um, spooky swamp spooky where everyone swamp. speaks in haikus. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that one's cute, too. Um, the music there is also great. It does have the Sheila minigame, though. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that that, that was really cute. Um, I, I also got a shout-out. Desert Ruins. Desert Ruins is another favorite of mine. 
Oh, this one's really good. Yeah, I just love it aesthetically. It's a, you know, sort of a desert, like, Roman ruins and stuff. Has so you a get Tomb that, Raider like, reference. It does have a Tomb Raider reference. But you get that, like, white walls, but with a lot of sand. And then, like, the... There's, like, hazardous water that's, like, neon green. It just looks super cool. And I'm, I'm a big fan of that aesthetically. It's one of the hardest, like, platforming levels in the game, too. So that's fun. I actually like the Sheila minigame in there. It's, like, a 2D platformer. That's a, yeah, that's that one is really, time. really cool. So yeah, that, that that level's pretty positive in me. I also like the um, the Dino Mines level. Yeah, Dino Mines is really where cute. It had the Agent Nine rail shooter, and I thought I yeah. thought that section was actually pretty fun. Yeah, that that is fun on modern reignited on places you want. It can be a tad <laughs> frustrating, but uh, I can't wait to play that game on PC. <laughs> it's gonna be so easy. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's really cute. Um, and yeah, I just like the concept of like this old western town with with uh, dinosaur outlaws that you have to fight it's it's pretty good also pretty challenging at the end which is nice so what's your least favorite uh mini game it can either be a other than yeti boxing and other than uh agent nine shooting it has to be like a vehicle segment or something with spyro uh, i mean most of the stuff with spyro is fine i think if it's not yeti boxing it's not agent nine stuff Oh man, this is another reignited PlayStation One difference. But the whack-a-mole game you have to play with Bentley is terrible on reignited. <laughs> oh god, yeah, I hated that one. Um, and uh, it's wild because it's this is why this is the sole reason why I'm like there's no definitive way to play this and that's annoying to me. Um, because on PlayStation One they zoom out the camera to almost a top-down angle, which is great. <laughs> and it that's works what fine. I wanted. <laughs> And the the reignited version just keeps it behind the back, and it's like really frustrating. Yeah, because um, you're like, oh, I gotta get this mole, and then you turn around and you hit it, and it's a gnome, and you're like, why? <laughs> a gnome just appeared there, and now I have to start the whole thing over. Yeah, so that one's pretty rough on reignited. Also, the final the both skateboarding race courses are <laughs> something to behold on reignited. <laughs> yeah, um, I really did not like the skateboard for the most part there's a couple missions where i'm like okay this isn't too bad um you know it takes a little getting used to but the skateboard does not control super great and when you're asked to do a race course with it it's really rough yeah i think the racing is just not not ideal and in either version i i I like the skate park stuff i think it works fine there i think it's fun distraction but yeah the, the racing segments in particular are problematic Especially that last one in the bonus area. Yeah, the last one is honestly the the worst part of that. And Reignited too, I don't know if you experienced this, but if you like hit an edge, you'll just zoom across the whole thing, which sometimes you could use to your advantage, but it's it's just inconsistent. Oh no, um, when I hit an edge, I completely stopped all movement. Yeah, it's a little bugged. In, in the it, in that last race course too, the platforms are just so small that like it's it's easy to mess that up. But I, I do like the skate parks. I just wish they had made more of those instead of the racing segments, but whatever. Well, and I wish it was easier to, like, pull off tricks, because you have a very limited number of tricks, and um, the, like, times in which you can actually do them are pretty limiting. Like, you have to basically go off a ramp or a vert ramp, and then you're able to do a couple more tricks before you land, but you can't do it, like, on the ground, or you have to 
you know, go all the way around back to a ramp, and then you have to have good timing coming off the ramp if you want to clear a gap, and yeah, it's a, it's a little weird. There's one specific Unfortunately, one Unfortunately, Spyro does not do kickflips. No, no kick tricks, just rotation, and yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Front flips You can do a nasty nork, though. <laughs> and a raging ripto. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. It's quite limited. Um, I, I, you know, it's it's fine for what it is. Well, who was your least favorite character to play as? Um, it was either Bentley or, yeah, probably Bentley. <laughs> yeah, poor Bentley. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, never. There was not an, a time when I was playing as Bentley where I was like, "Oh, this is cool," and I'm like, "No, I I would rather not play as Bentley." Yeah, poor guy. Poor um, guy. I like talking I to do. him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do want to. This game has so many cool levels. Like this, the thing is, like the the spiral levels are great. What do you think of Frozen Altars? Hmm. Is this the one with the lasers? Yeah. Yeah, this one was cool. I really liked this one's level uh, setup where. You know, you're going through a main path, but then to actually collect everything, you have to figure out how to get on top of the walls and, like, platform around that way. Yeah, it also gives you ice breath. Yeah, and I was like, is this going to work if you, like, kill all the enemies? Because you can kill the... No, you could just freeze the NPCs. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. It's so good. Yeah, so, you know, there's some creative platforming where you freeze them into a block and then use that as a platform to get to a different area. So, yeah, Icy Peak was really cool. No, that that's uh, Frozen Altars. Frozen Altars, that's the one. Yeah, the laser defense system is is a fun idea, and like I I like that Moneybags sold it to them. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, Moneybags gets a lot of really good uh, dialogue in this game. Yeah, I mean, honestly, shadows and Moneybags in general in this game, I think they even upped his like like his presence in this game versus two, and I think he's even better here. Uh, he's just such a snarky. Spyro. I hate him. <laughs> well, and he's definitely a, a both siders where he just wants. He's in cahoots with the sorceress, but only because he gets money out of it or something out of it. But then when he sees any opportunity to con Spyro out of any gems he has, it's he's like, I'm gonna jump on this opportunity. His alter. Did you say no to him? <laughs> yes, it was very great. <laughs> Yeah, his his responses to your no, no answers are always great. He's always like, "Oh, don't worry, she won't be in this cage forever. They're gonna execute her next week." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, "Oh, yep, okay." <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you asshole. <laughs> you shouldn't. Um, you shouldn't anger a wizard. I might turn you into a blue hedgehog or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think he's great, and he serves the same purpose he didn't too, which is to make the gems feel a little more valuable. Even if realistically, you're probably never gonna not be able to afford him. It still makes it feel like you need to collect them, which I think is again brilliant. And um, his writing is is great, and yeah, he's just still a fun fun character. Shout out to the ending where you get to chase yes. him down and get all your gems back. <laughs> One of the best moments in the entire trilogy. Yeah, because in two, there's a cutscene where it's like, okay, money bags, give your gems back to Spyro, and he's like, oh, all right. But in this one, you actually in gameplay get to chase him through the hub world and get all your gems back. Yeah, and every time you hit him, the gems fly off of him onto you. It's just really satisfying. It's it's great. And he runs away all scared. It's it's a super fun, fun little thing. I, I so I was giving this game a little bit of crap for not having the level intros like two did. I will say the reignited version. I think they added a couple cutscenes, 
Um, cause I think I remember seeing things that I didn't see in the PS1 one that I was surprised weren't there on this revisit, which is cool. I think you got a cutscene for every new boss in the reignited, which you don't get in, in the original, you only get one or two of them, which is neat. And also in reignited, like they incorporate the side characters there too. And they witness, um, the transformations for the boss enemies, which I think is cool. And again, kind of builds into the story into the extra that reignited did, which I think is a positive change. By the way, what did you think of those bosses? We didn't really talk about that earlier. Um, like a lot of the things in this game, they're a mixed bag. Um, the really, yeah. Um, so Spike and Scorch were fine. They were, uh, you know, good for bosses. I think they did a better job at the sort of mechanics that two built for boss fights in this spyro trilogy uh they sort of expanded on that uh buzz i despised <laughs> oh it was over you were having trouble with buzz yeah buzz at least on reignited the window to hit him is like ridiculously small and it's really hard to read where that window is um and then you know he's still a little buggy where one time the he just rolled in place for a little bit <laughs> Yeah, I um, didn't have those problems in the original, but I, I know Reignited's timing is a little weird. So yeah, it's, it's like a fair. really, really strict window to be able to hit him without it feeling you know, like you're not making progress. Yeah, um, yeah, it, yeah. That would just have a couple of the issues. I, I do think overall, I prefer these bosses to two's bosses. I think they're a little more interesting mechanically. I don't know if that's a popular opinion or not, actually. <laughs> I, I think it's it's weird because I think two's bosses I think are better in terms of character like at Gulp and and um, and and the other one I can't remember as I say they're more interesting. <laughs> I <laughs> mean the names are all pretty. If I didn't have the names written out in front of me, I would not have remembered that their names are Buzz, Spike, and Scorch. Yeah, uh, but but Gulp and Crush I think are better characters because you see them with Ripto, they're his minions. Um, whereas here these are just you know random enemies that get turned in a cutscene to these monsters that you fight. But I think mechanically they're more interesting. Like again, PS1 version of Buzz. Like I like that you have to hit him before he puts up a shield. Um, the the guy with the gun, I like that he that he has a gun. It, it changes the dynamic there. And it makes it more interesting to avoid him. In, in you know, the pterodactyl, we have to pick up pickups to shoot him. I, st- I think it works. It doesn't feel, to me at least, it doesn't feel like it strays too far from the, the core design, which is nice, especially for a game filled with minigames. <laughs> Yeah, it feels like a natural evolution of what to put, but, you know, there might be some changes that don't exactly resonate or, like, you know, some timing issues aside. I think they're I think they're good. You know, we ragged on one for not having hardly any bosses, and then we're here where there's four pretty good bosses. So, you know, it's an improvement all across. I will say, not a fan of the Sorcerer's boss fight. No. Because I think it, it does prey into like that vehicle minigame stuff that I don't like in games like this. It's not quite as bad as would be... And I sorry, I keep referencing this game. It's not like this game is horrible or anything. It's just the only game we've played that does this or others. Like Luigi's Mansion 2 with the turret boss fight. It's not that bad, but it does kind of tap into that a little bit for me. Where I'm like, I don't love going to these vehicles <laughs> to have to do damage. Um, except for the last one. I do like fly it right into the saucer. But um, I'm not a big fan of the other ones. Is this isn't the saucer fight in the bonus level? Yeah, it's also the last um, last phase. phase. Okay, yeah. Um, 
Also, fun fact, if you're playing the PS1 version and you're playing the Black Label original release, it does not have all the music tracks in it, so when you get to this bit, you get the uh, Sunrise Sprig homeward music. <laughs> Interesting. And then they fixed that for the Greatest Hits release? Yes. And unfortunately, that is the version on PSN. <laughs> so I think a lot of people have that weird bug, which is unfortunate. They put the Black Label version on the PSN? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's annoying. It's annoying. <laughs> so that's always been the one I've been used to. But yeah, um... Oh, there's something else. Oh, I want to talk about the adaptive difficulty stuff. Um, this game yeah. features an adaptive di- difficulty system, which I ran into on the um, the second boss fight, actually, because I died a couple times, um, where he got less shots out and did, and um, I did more damage to him when I hit him, which I think is so interesting that this game, this early adapt, uh, had a system like that. Insomniac were thinking about that. Unfortunately, it does not make its way over to Reignited. Um, but if you're playing the original, you might run into that, which is cool. Yeah, I definitely did not notice that in Reignited, because I was, you know, every boss felt exactly the same level of difficulty, no matter how many times I died. But, uh, yeah, that's interesting to see that, you know, in the year 2000, they were still thinking about something like that. Yeah, it's it's cool, and a, a really unique thing. Um, is there anything else? I think we've covered most, but... Um, I mean, there's other nitpicks that I have, like the flight levels this time around, they tell you the order of the things yeah, that you that's should a get. Thing. There's no point to that. <laughs> I feel like the level design leads you in a certain direction already. <laughs> they don't need to just straight up tell you. It's one of those things where like, you know, all the flight levels are, well, except for one, one has some like creative, like thinking you have to do sometimes. Um, but in two and three, they're pretty set up to be pretty obvious about which items you need to get in which order um, to optimally beat the level. But yeah, this one, like telling you, there's something about it that feels off to me where it's like, yeah, you didn't have to. Um, I do like that you get gems on every item, though. I feel like that's nice feedback. Yeah, the or at least in the PS, I don't think it does that on Reignited. Oh, does it not? No, I think it just gives it to you at the end. Oh, that, that's a bummer. Yeah, and in the, every time, you know, you fly through a loop or whatever, it gives you gems in, in the original one, which it didn't do in the other ones. Uh, it gives them to you in the menu, but, like, having that feedback while you're playing the level is nice. Um, Yeah, I think my favorite flight levels in the trilogy have to be um, probably whatever the, like, city tower one and two was. Metropolis Speedway. Yep. Um, the mayor. And then the first one in the first game. Yeah, Sunny Flight. Sunny Flight's good. And then uh, Harbor Speedway in this one. Because these ones feel like they have options for which way to tackle them. And like you can kind of do multiple objectives at once as you're going through them. Honey Speedway to some extent if you're skilled enough. But like just this that sort of like planning your route as opposed to here's a designated route is um i i find that more interesting so it feels like it feels a little insulting to have sparks literally just tell you the order yeah i agree i i love uh harbor speedway aesthetically by the way it's it's cool um and i like it on both versions i'm not a big fan of the racing mini games though they're not terrible but like 
they can be frustrating if you miss a boost or two. Because you could potentially lose the race right before you hit the finish line, which is always an annoying thing. Yeah, they're they're fine. Uh, but yeah, I think the first time through especially, they might be a tad frustrating, which is not, not ideal. Yeah, there was something where I was... I felt the same way where, you know, the first two or three attempts at the race i did not do very well i would either crash which happened a couple times or just lose the race and you know that was frustrating but there was a certain level of like satisfaction that came from actually you know memorizing where where i can get boosts or um, rockets to deal with the opponents um, and then being able to do these like tight maneuvers to get those boosts without crashing into things uh it was really satisfying to pull off so in the end i would say i enjoyed them but the route getting to them felt more difficult than like anything else in the game so yeah and there is fun in like figuring out which speed boost to get because some of them you could you can really veer off and get ones that you're meant to get earlier in the course later like like there's there's some strategy there which is which is cool um, it's just that like the timing is so tight and there's nothing more frustrating than getting second place <laughs> like after you know almost two minutes of flying and then having to redo it so yeah, yeah it's a little bit of a mixed bag also i may have a little bit of ptsd because the last time i played the reignited version of this i played it on switch and this was the most frustrating i got harbor speedway in particular i just remember my joy cons were struggling with it and it was kind of miserable <laughs> oof that's annoying um, for the most part, the Switch versions of these games are great. It's just like that level in particular. I remember just being like, "Oh my god, the Joy Cons are not handling this movement I have to do at all." Oh yeah, especially if you have Joy Con drift, that's annoying. Yeah, and, and uh, the the Hunter Finding Hunter to do a mini game in these levels also return. Um, he's always this type of round, always uh, worrying about this space sheep, which I think is fun. Fun little subplot there. I really like aesthetically. I like the honey one. By the way, I like the stormy, like honey, like look to it. It's it's cool. It's unique. That was also the level though that traumatized me as a kid because if you visit that level after Hunter gets captured, you can't do his mini game. There's just a sign there. Yeah, I I was wondering about that because, or I actually went back to look at this because there is a part in the story where Hunter gets captured, and he's captured for a few levels and then he gets released. But I was like okay he's captured is it gonna still let me do these mini games and i went and it's like oh no he nope. was he's captured <laughs> like yep. there's a sign saying hey no you can't do this he's captured which as a kid i was horrified i was like oh, no hunter mm-hmm. <laughs> if you know that's coming you can avoid that pretty easily and just take care of those first and not have to you know deal with that uh but yeah, yeah if to, you don't know it's coming it might be a to actually see that i revisited a level that i knew a hunter mini game was in to look so i didn't actually run into it as an issue i just was curious yeah it's 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 again one of those like little world building things which is fun i mean i will say in reignited there's a position you can stand to see two hunters in the same hub world but other yeah, than I that, saw that. <laughs> This, unfortunately, is the last Insomniac-developed 
Spyro game, they would move on to bigger and furrier things. <laughs> yep. <laughs> With a certain Lombax. But this isn't the end of Spyro, uh, unfortunately, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> <laughs> because next time around, we will be playing Enter the Dragonfly. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Uh, as we leave this PS1 reignited trilogy uh what's your opinion what do you think is the best one uh oh jesus <laughs> i'm putting you in on the spot now i think it's one of those things where objectively if i'm recommending to people i think one is the most consistent so that's always the one i'm gonna say if somebody's never played one i think nostalgically two or three um because of what they implied about what video games could be to me as i talked about last episode will always be kind of my favorite but yeah, one is just such a consistently great game that I think it's kind of hard to to beat that. I think it's one of those one of those things where at the time the variety was really cool, but it has aged worse than the actual core gameplay, which is typically the case with games like this. Um, whereas I think the core gameplay of these games holds up remarkably well and is is super fun even to this day. So yeah, I guess one is the most consistent. So that's the one I would say. It's it's really hard for me to pick though, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, I think having played them now, I would probably say that one is my favorite so far as a whole. Uh, I think, you know, the Spyro levels of two and three are really good, but unfortunately those games have other things that are not so good. So yeah, as a whole, I would say Spyro one's probably the best. Um, but, you know, if you are a person nowadays, you're probably going to get reignited and just play all three of them, so... Yeah, and Reignited does a lot to, like, you know, homogenize the controls, and it's pretty easy just to bounce to all of them. Um, it's, it's a weird thing, too, because, like, while I'd say one is the, the one I recommend because the consistency, three definitely has the best level design, so it's just a, you know, it's hard to say. <laughs> I think I think there's a lot of positives to, to the series as a whole, and some negatives, but fewer than, than it would stop me from recommending it. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, that has been the original trilogy for Spyro. Uh, we will see what happened with the original developers. We're, we're moving on to other things. And uh, uh, I guess it was not Activision. It was Vivendi at this point. It was like, let's cash out. <laughs> yep, we got a franchise. Let's go. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, this, uh, this, this one will probably not be positive. I'm going to try. You know, every time I play this game, and yes, I've played this game multiple times throughout my life, don't at me. Um, I try to go in with a positive outlook, and it never works. <laughs> yeah, this will be this will be an interesting one. Um, for the Spyro Marathon, this is going to be Spyro 4. We will also do one more after this, um, and then we'll leave Spyro for a while. Yeah, so <laughs> Enter the Dragonfly is the next one. Um Look forward Hero to that Stale episode. Is the one after that, yeah. Look forward to Enter the Dragonfly in a couple weeks. Or don't, whatever. Or don't, don't play it. But look forward to an look episode. forward to our episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, tell me about this interview you put in here. Uh, this was from the. I'm looking at it now. It's from. Uh, I believe e3 of 2000 yeah it's an archived site and it has an interview with him before spyro 3 came out 
nice. I gotta check that out. Um, cause I don't think I've seen that. Um, I put in here just some things. Um, not that long ago, actually, there uh, leaked prototypes of Spyro two and three came out. Um, and a year before that, a leaked prototype of Spyro one. So there's like early versions of these games you can you can actually play if you want, which is quite interesting. But there's some differences. So I put in here a live stream. Somebody playing Year of the Dragon. Just skip around. Um, it's like five minutes or five minutes, five months before the release. So there's not like, it's not like, oh my God, levels are completely different, but there's some interesting small things in there. Especially if you know, um, it, you'll see it right when you start the live stream. One of the first things you'll see is there's an enemy that never got used in the, um, it, it, the, um, the panda level. Uh, but there's a tiger enemy that runs at you that never made it to the final game. There's some music differences, uh, Spooky Swamp's music gets used as placeholder music a lot. So there's just some interesting little differences throughout. Just skip around, you'll find some stuff. Some placeholder dialogue, just, just dumb little things like that. Um, and actually, if you want to look up uh, Spyro 1's prototype, that prototype is really interesting because, like, as you get further on into it, you they actually, you get to levels that are just gray boxed. <laughs> like, it's, uh, it's really interesting. So that stuff's out there if you want to check out the early versions. I put this in here, which is a fan animation, I think. Spyro 3 Frozen Altars level intro. It's a cute little thing. I actually mistakenly thought this was official and was just something that never made it into the game. It's not. Um, from looking at comments on the video, it's, it's just a fan thing. But it's really cool. It's very Spyro 2 in style um, intro for Frozen Altars. So check that out. And you put in here the Spyro copy protection video, which... We talked about it earlier and highly recommend watching. It's very good. Yep. Um, and interestingly, uh, I forgot to mention this earlier, but this was reignited was the first time that Spyro 3 was released in Japan. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because we talked about it. it never got a Japanese release. Um, last time around because of the terrible 1 and 2 versions. Yep, but reignited was released in Japan. So there you go. They finally got Spyro 3. Nice. Yeah. Good stuff. If you would like to keep up with the show and see what we're doing, keep up with any changes and the updates, you can follow us on Twitter at SaveStationPod. Uh, Connor runs that account, as well as a personal account, which, where can they find that? That's at ConiferSSR. Um, I posted some of my weird Spyro 3 glitches and mishaps. Um, where can they find you, Dustin? You can find me at Dustin H. Dragon on Twitter. Um, I don't know what I'm doing lately. Stuff. <laughs> I've made a lot of uh, little video ads for, for this stuff, so check those out, please. It's been fun to find our like snippets about talking about game design and putting up footage for it. Um, so those are the little projects I've been doing. So, yeah, go find that. Oh, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't play Enter the Dragonfly. Just listen to our episode or do if you want. I don't know. <laughs> if you do, <laughs> I, do that. I have to play it. If you, Yeah, you have to play it. Uh, but, you know, hit us up on Twitter with your thoughts. I'm always curious about that. Um, maybe we'll feature them if we get any. Yeah, so, so check that out. Um, please remember to always be good to each other. <laughs> Bye.